Hi, Daniel Major, CEO of GoVX Uranium. We have three projects in Africa, the development projects. Primary focus is the Madawela project in Niger, looking to get that financed by 2023, production by 2025. Zambia project, Matanga already permitted, looking to get that one into development a couple of years after Madawela for production as well. And then we have the exploration play for Leia and Mali. Hello, hello. How are oh, you? Awesome. And in Cape Town. What a lovely city. Gorgeous day out uh, there. Absolutely gorgeous We've day. brought the weather with us. That's yep. good news. <laughs> so like you're, most of the time. <laughs> you're, at, you're at Indaba. We're, we're down here for Indaba. Uh, there's one to one going on as well, but you're, you're focused on the Indaba. Uh, what are you hoping to get out of the conference? Um, I, come, I always do Indaba when I come down here. I mean, this is a, a proper working conference. Right. Uh, so for me, it's suppliers, it's lenders, it's government. So I've met met with my Minister of Mines, Niger, on Sunday. I'm meeting with the Minister of Mines, um, Zambia, tomorrow morning, um, doing a whole bunch of lenders, um, Africa-focused lenders, and then right. the suppliers looking for bits of kit, um, services that we require for our projects. Right. And was this the first time it's been on for a couple of years? Yep. Ever since the COVID struck, we've right. not been able to come down here. Obviously, East Africa was very impacted by it. Yeah. Um, some of the cases coming through. So this is basically like the, for, for North Americans, this is like the PDAC, but for Africa. Totally. Right. Okay. So um, you're, obviously, you talked about this one of the projects that you're, you're, you're cracking on with. Um, I'm, I'm intrigued by the types of conversations that happen here about Africa for African projects and the way that you, as a kind of, you know, you, 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 uh, you know, you, you're not local. <laughs> I lived here for 12 years. Give me a <laughs> but, you know, how, how, do they, how are they looking at the, all of this foreign direct investment? Are they up for more? Oh, or God, they, yeah. Because South America, we've got this whole, you know, um, uh, nationalization type issues going on, socialist conversations yeah. going on. What's, what's Africa? Yeah, uh, you've got competing issues here. Um, what you, you have on the one side, you know, the resource curse mm. uh, and, and the dread that that's going to continue to occur. On the other side, there's a complete pragmatism that the only people who are really going to put money in are foreign countries, uh, companies, and people are comfortable with that. Right. So what you're seeing in, in most of the mining codes are, and you've seen where they've gone. I mean, look at Zambia's new approach now. I mean, the president of Zambia was the opening speech yesterday in Daba, and he was all about, you know, we're growing, you know, um, first quantum of putting more money in, mm. you know, we want to build, extend the railway line all the way down into Z uh, South Africa, expand that Southern African belt that we've got here. Um, in Niger, you know, we're currently getting a, a new mining code come through. It's pretty yeah. much the same as the old one. But interestingly, it's ESG driven. Human rights code is in it. You know, commitment to the environment, commitment to, and that's the other bit that's sitting here, which has been a push through in all the African nations for a long time is local procurement, local recruitment. Okay. And, but, but that's what it's about. It's okay, you want to put your money in? We're happy with that. Develop projects? Yes, you have to, because it's very hard for African groups to do that. But help us develop our communities, help us develop training, help us develop the infrastructure with it, and we'll share the benefits. You know, these are African resources okay. that share the benefits. Because ESG is it's, it's a kind of, um, we see different, we've seen both sides of the argument. People just don't, some, some people don't like the phrase. They think it's just a badging exercise. Uh, others are going, well, it's essential. Funds demand it, lenders demand it, it's real. <laughs> I mean, you, what, you're, what you're saying is, 
um, it is a very big part, even even here in Africa. Because yeah. I think it's a perception that people go, they just want money, no. they just want employment, just want the taxes. They don't really kind of care about that kind of thing. In, in reality, and I sit in the middle of those two camps mm. um, of where it is, mines have always had to run with health and safety. You bring people into work mm. every day, you want to send them home. You you impact the environment no matter what you do. You want to limit that impact on the environment. But the other thing about it is you, if you do it properly, it actually benefits your business mm. operationally. You know, if people are operating in a safe way, they're operating. And it's a mindset because the, if you do ESG properly, it's a circular review, plan, do it again, action, and keep going around in circles. Mm. Um, and, and if you do that in any business, you know, even in your own business, you know, you think about what you're going to do. How do I improve for the future? React it, respond mm. to it a year later, see if it's still working and go around. Right. And that's actually what ESG is all about. It's not that difficult. And we all do, we've been doing it for donkeys. It's just been rebranded. What are the bits that you don't like about it when you say you sit in the middle of that argument? Um, on the one hand, I don't think you, it is a requirement, but I don't think it's, it's, a, it's something that naturally comes to our business. Right. Is it a branding, a rebranding? No, because actually we've all been doing it. Right. And, and I was actually at a dinner with lawyers yesterday, but most of the people at my table were guys in various parts of the African mining industry. Mm. Um, and we would, this was an issue we were chatting about and we're just saying you know, exactly the same thing. Yeah. It's part of what we do as a mining yeah. industry. And we have done for an exceedingly long time. But where you're seeing it kind of really coming in and is actually the non-mining area yeah. that's kind of using it. The mining team guys have been doing it for, for years. Right. You know, it's, you don't send people into dangerous environments without looking after them. So it's, it's, it, you feel like it, it's just a narrative. Don't worry, we haven't added any costs. It's integral to the way that we Absolutely. operate our business. And if, if anything, it's going to be beneficial to our business. Oh, well, look, if, if, you were doing, if you were borrowing money from a bank, you had to follow IFC standards. IFC standards is, is ESG. Right. It, it's been, IFC okay. standards have been there for ages. Right. So if you were following those, you were doing ESG anyway. Yeah. Anyway, I'm sure there'll be lots of ESG consultants making a lot oh, of money. There are, well, that's, that's the bigger issue. There's a lot of people who suddenly become experts, experts. on ESG. Experts. want to charge you lots of money for it. Right. Well, let, let, let's talk business let, let, about mm. what you're up to. Obviously, you've had a great 18 months. Uh, uranium market has come back, well, certainly since August last year, um, since Split came along, yep. moved the, moved the um, spot price along. There's still chat of contracting and, and term sheets, um, but not, not quite at the like, volume that people are hoping for. Your in market has come off recently, but for you, it's kind of, let's, let's, we've got to move things forward. Yeah. So what's happening in Niger at the moment? Well, before we do that, just hit that market point. Yeah. Uh, I put a, a little tweet out the other day. I don't like to tweet because I'm not I'm, I'm yeah. a generation that is kind of that way of climbing. this Twitter this you about? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Isn't that the birds in the morning? Yeah. Um, but it was interesting because one I was at the WNFM. Got remember all these. Um, w -M -M -M, yeah, there's the WNFC. Yeah, that's oh, there's a whole bunch of these things, yes. and they all like sound like radio shows. Yes. Um, but it was interesting because the whole conversation was Russia and right. diversity of supply. Where are we going to get our material yeah. from? Yeah. And but it was also very clear that the utilities are worrying about the now. Mm. Before in November, it was about the future. Yeah. It, now it's about the now. What, where am I going to get my EUP from? Right. Which not a lot left. <laughs> right. Urenco is going. Uh, 
Well, all those guys who used to buy from Russia are now knocking on our door saying, yeah. we don't want to talk to those guys in Russia. Can we get EUP from them? Yeah. And they were like, well, we only have this much UF6 left. Yeah. And the only way to make more is to overfeed it. Yeah. But then it won't last as long. So we're going to run out really quickly if we do that. Yep. And then they turn to their friends at Convidine and go, can you start up, please? Mm. <laughs> like, and they yeah. came, well, we're starting up as fast as we can. It will only come. Mm. So I think what you've seen in the last month is it's not a lack of focus on the uranium market. Mm. It's just the focus has gone up the pipeline for a while. Yep. So guys are looking at, and so you've actually seen the conversion margins, you've seen the EUP price climb yep. and the uranium price came off yep. instead. And it's just because they moved where they were looking for. Yeah. So we saw this in the past, you know, when this cycle took off, it was the SUI price that went first yep. and everything else followed it. Yep. So expect the U U308 to come back behind. They are still very concerned about where they get material from. Uh, right. Diversity of supply is is very much the conversation. Africa is seen as a really good option. There are, you know, and one point was made at, at the conference, which is no one's sanctioning Africa in any shape, form, or otherwise. Mm -hmm. It's, you know, it, there is no country in Africa that supplies uranium that has any issues. So, you know, buy from Africa. Well, absolutely. I mean, I think that's the whole sort of um, thrust of, uh, you know, our exploration conversations with companies this week, um, you know, obviously down here in South Africa, but, but yeah. more, more broadly, which is that North America talks the language of tier one jurisdiction. South America talks the language of tier one jurisdiction for money. Historically, it has been thus. OK, yet the, 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 the narrative uh, has changed, I think, somewhat in the sense that South America We've got you know electioneering so may, again maybe you know saber rattling and electioneering, but Mexico talking about nationalizing lithium, that doesn't do anyone any favors in South America. You've got nervous investors looking in South America. You've yeah. got issues in um, you know places like Idaho and California over getting licensing and permitting. You've seen the same thing in Canada. It seems there's nowhere safe from. The, the issue is well, yeah it's this geopolitical the people throw this word geopolitical risk around yeah and as i have often at conferences said you know just because you can't buy a starbucks does not make somewhere geopolitically risky right you know but that's people's perception mm. you know uh, it's oh gosh they've got terrorism and or whatever in, you know in mm. that area therefore we shouldn't go there well one <clears throat> you know if you look at somewhere like niger um it's a massive country mm. i mean it's the it's france and germany combined into one place. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it is vast. And yes, there are issues on the two borders. Mm. But you've got a government who've got a, a very strong mining code. It's been a, the, the original ones around since 2006. The 2000 and new one that they're doing now is pretty much the same, but it's bringing the ESG side of it into. And I'm, I don't really have any issues with that. We did our mining permit in four months. Um, did you? Yeah. Four months. Yeah. Okay. Oh, the, per the, the environmental permitting was even more fun. Uh, God, we, we did a full IFC, mm -hmm. um, and rather than taking months to do the review, they did their initial review, and then they organized a town hall meeting right. in Agadez, and everybody who's interested turns up at the app, yeah. and they do a page turn for right. five days. Right. Went through this document, yeah. page by page, reviewed it. Yeah. I occasionally got phone calls from my team saying they'd like to change this, can you change that? Yeah. Finished it, closed the book, a week later, signed it. Wow. Yeah. So, and that, that's not okay. I want to come back to that point. That's not a case of, do you know what? Well, let's, it's just, we'll just They weren't hiding. No, there was a full on town hall. Right. Every single person who had an opinion on that 
was allowed to turn up to that event yeah. in an open forum and so, have a conversation. So this really is a case of, <clears throat> you know, each country has its own peculiarities and processes. So there'll be, uh, you know, Niger, you talked about one, you know, you can, you can move through the licensing yeah. process relatively quickly compared to, say, Canada or, or North America, right? Yeah. Um, and But you'll have things where it's a little bit slower and takes a little bit longer. So uh, you, if you're an investor looking in, you just need to understand the process and the timeframes yeah. involved. Yeah. So, but do you think there's more of a level playing field now for investors in oh, terms yeah. of where they invest? Uh, yeah, look, there are some places in Africa that remain awkward. I mean, the DRC <laughs> at the moment is clearly one of those areas that's the most difficult. Uh, uh, but, you know, you look at permitting times in, in North America. You you look at, you know, the NGO impacts, the, the indigenous issues in Australia. You Every time you change government, you suddenly find you're in, you're out, you're in, you're out. You know, they've still effectively got a three minds policy mm. there. It, th those are geopolitical risks to me, mm. where you get these radical shifts. Th the other thing to remember about Africa, it's still a resource driven GDP. Yeah. They need resources, whereas if you look at North America, yeah. it's such a small part yeah. that yeah. it doesn't really matter if you bugger around with it. Right. You know, but then you've got this dichotomy on critical metals, which is, oh, we really need these, yeah. but we're going to make it really difficult to get them. So let's take the macro bit. Sorry, I, I threatened to go yeah. into the projects, which yeah, we'll, we should be. I know, we will do. We will the do, macro right. thing is so fascinating at the moment in terms mm -hmm. of, again, for, for my optionality for me as an investor, right? Where inflation has been a big conversation over the last six months, right? Yeah. And yeah. again, you, you look at, if you kind of broadly say, oh, everything's gone up 7%, well, that, 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 that's not real, right? No. So the mining, different aspects are affected differently in different parts of the world. Yeah. So um, employee costs, I suspect in Africa, you're going to be a, a winner there, right? Well, and, and that was an interesting comment from Cameco, who were commenting how labor inflation is starting to bite for them yeah. because of the phosphates business. Right. Massive in, in surge of business from people like BHP building big phosphates mines, suddenly people have a choice where they go and mine. Go? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I mean, in the top end of Niger and Ala and Akka Khan, yeah. the next business off the ranks is Govix. Right, okay. Or you can head south 150 kilometers to our friends at Global Atomic. Right. But, you know, that's a choice that you can then make. But that's a big choice. You now have to move yeah. towns, everything to be able to do it. Right, okay. So think, so for, for you as part of, because you're going through the study phases at the moment, yeah. right? So inflation for you is, is what uh, I was thinking. Well, your labor's 20% of our operating cost. Okay. So, so you take that out, it hasn't inflated at all. In fact, the numbers we used in the past, I, we realized actually we were putting in too high a number and we've actually, we did okay. a full study. Okay. The other thing I, you know, I, and the point I make is, yeah, I mean, inflation's out there. I mean, look, you're, Bit mechanical equipment, steel prices, right. up, whatever. Yeah. You, yeah. you can't do a thing about those. But what? But that's where it comes back to being the management of the company. You know, particularly my job. I'm I'm an engineer by trade. Yeah. So my job is to engineer inflation out. Yeah. And when I used to work for Rossing um, back in my days, <laughs> Rio Tinto, they always had a most beautiful chart, which was here's the inflation and here's our cost increase. And nice. they used to engineer every year. Make sure. Big gap was just yeah. getting bigger and bigger between yeah. the two. So they would yeah. engineer out inflation every year to get their keep their projects under the inflation level. Right. So then again, it's just one of the things. So the things that you can't control, fuel costs and, and energy costs more yeah. bro bro broadly. But you can engineer your usage. Right. Okay. 
Is that a possibility where you are? Um, yeah, well, for example, you know, we, we now put solar into the project. Right. So it helps bring down my carbon footprint, but brings down the amount of power if I'm taking off the grid. Yeah. Um, I then can put some diesel backup in, but again, I don't have to use it all because I've got the, the solar sitting up there. Right. Still need the diesel backup, but it's a function of that. Redesign our pit to try and reduce the total tonnage we, we're going to mine. Right. That effectively reduces the diesel usage as well okay. at the same time. So these are all engineering bits that you can put through. I mean, and, and yet that's part of the job as being the, as I said, being the engineer, it, it is to try and yeah. engineer out inflation. You can't get rid of it all. Uh, I mean, yeah. you just got to get as smart as you can. So do you think, you know, and I, I hope people take this in the way it's intended, which is the COVID period, not COVID, the COVID period yes. has actually been a, put a percentage on it, a, a benefit to countries in Africa, in the sense that they've got <clears throat> a slight competitive advantage in, 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 the, in the sense that, you know, uh, inflation is not going to hit um, the your companies like yours as hard. The, in, I, I don't think COVID is the, is the factor. I, I'm just know. thinking of supply chains and supply, was, yeah, all, supply, those all those things were already there. Uh, were there supply chain issues oh, before COVID? They can't have been. No, it's just carried on. Right, okay. You know, I mean, yes, you, but your supply issues are more global shipping. What yeah. can you bring in and where does it come from? Yeah. But, you know, for what we're finding with most of those supplies, you know, in our designs, it, you try and get everything out of Africa. It's easier. I mean, right. get sick out of South Africa right. uh, where we're here. So pull things from this continent. Yeah. Uh, and that makes your project that much easier um, okay. as well. well Again, so I'm sticking with macro. It's just, right, well, just we can talk about the mine in a minute. It's fascinating. <laughs> it's, I mean, you're here in Andaba, right? Yeah. You're, you're here to uh, meet some of the financing of, um, exactly. companies, who institutions who will help you at various stages yep. of your development, right? So you, you'll, you'll probably be raising a little bit more money soon. Eventually, you need to be talking about CapEx requirements and so forth, right? So is are the African institutions starting to sort of step up to the plate, as it were? Are they a better option for companies in Africa? Whereas once before you sort of trot off to the usual European banks. Um, you, you, you still do everything um, around here. There are a lot of African development banks now, yeah. DFIs. Um, there's a lot of focus for us on those DFIs right. um, coming in. Um, you know, we still do with the South African banks. Um, they're here. Mm. And, and the European banks remain natural players into Africa anyway because mm. it's what they do. It's their bread and butter. But you do now have an increasing spread into, the, you know, the Senegalese banks, you know, right. the, the whole range around yeah. there as well, which are now. And then, you know, other areas as well. There's a big Saudi boot here, you know, so that, that? That, that MENA approach is co coming through as well. You know, Middle East, North yeah. Africa. Yeah. And we're sort of trapped between Sub-Sahara and MENA um, yeah. as well. So we, we can look at both sides of this from a, a calculation of where we mm. do our financing. And the same applies to offtake for us as well. Yeah. You know, there are no sanctions for Africa to, to where we ship it. Yeah. I can ship to China. Yeah. I can ship to North America. I can ship to Europe. I can ship to the Saudi States. Russia. I could if anyone would let me, but it's not somewhere I would be going. No, no, yeah, no. So I do have some moral standards. <laughs> so, I know, but just on the on that whole thing, I've always sort of seen Africa as these sort of Chinese, you know, um, shopping baskets. You know, they sort of pop in there. I mean, we've seen that in Namibia. Well, yeah, but the one thing that has changed on that is the U.S. sanctions against Chinese nuclear companies. Mm. Pretty heavy. So yeah. CGN, CNNC. You have to be extremely difficult, careful now of how you involve them in your project. 
Mm. You couldn't, for example, give them a 20, 30, 40% stake in the project for an equity. Well, they could buy you. Well, they could buy you, but that's a different argument. That's a completely different conversation. But if you were going to try and do, you know, where Paladin is sitting with a 25% stake, where you mm. were sitting with NextGen, th that would not be doable now. And actually, if you go to the banks, they have mm. to then, European banks have to then look at what US sanctions issues are. Mm. They're going to say, yeah, but you've got a Chinese investor in there with this block. Uh, yeah, that makes our whole credit control issue way more complex. But, than but it also, then, also says to the Chinese, I know exactly how I need to play this. Right? Yeah. Because um, there is that competitive tension in terms of where all the supply is going to come from. Okay, US, not a big producer. Even if all of the US co companies come on, mm. online, uh, yeah. you, you may get five million pounds a yeah. year, right? And it's the US guys that are reaching out to us on right. the utilities. Right. Uh, and oh, we're talking, utilities oh, yeah, the utilities. Very much so. We talk to all of them. They very much see Africa as part of the next play of new projects and, and the key is that ability to get going yeah you know and we've made the point right in the intro you know Manuel is permitted Zambia is permitted you know yeah. these projects it's all about getting them financed into right. production and, and so that's really where our focus is so, so the admin's taking care of it's the, it's the technical ability to deliver pounds you've got to deliver them economically and correct. they just want you to deliver them full stop correct right okay um, th that's kind of interesting because I'm, I'm so you, you talk about this kind of um, the diversification of risk for utilities. You know, a big chunk of the market is now not available to them uh, for the foreseeable future, um, whether that be E three or eight, the um, EUP, e EUP or yep. you know, uh, etc. You have six, and then of course there's yeah, well that that, that the, the enrichment side of this thing is, is another conversation for another time. It's a, it's a mess yep. out there at the moment. So you're saying a lot, you're getting a lot more conversations now. Is that because of the state of the market or the fact that you are a more significantly advanced project now? We're advanced. Um, right, okay. yeah, and also they are looking for new places to go right. um, for de development. I mean, the big three will always tell you that they're the only guys on the block. Yeah. But that's also an issue for the utilities. They don't want only three suppliers. Of course. They, they want diversification of supply out yeah. there as well and you know the nice thing for us as well particularly with niger it's a known quantity yeah you know the converters have all at some point received nigerian feed in whether it's convertai and cameco or comorex well comorex obviously because that's where most of the Riva stuff went to yeah but the you know that so they're comfortable with the feed product that's come there it's a record not it's transport route you know yeah. it's happened for since the 70s yeah so there's no concerns of how you're going to get it out what are the logistics to achieve it yeah it's a trodden path and a well-trodden path yeah to go forward so that really helps a project like ourselves. yeah when you I can imagine. go back and go i don't have any logistics <clears throat> issues guys it's well described um and well understood uh, yeah. and the shippers get it as well you know, yeah. so it's not when you want to go to the logistics on the shipping guys. Yeah. They go, oh, we know, we know that route. It's, yeah, it's, you've, li you've literally, I always say people, you know, when people get into production initially, it's, it doesn't matter what the amount is, it just shows a route to market. We, you're talking literally a, a route, route to market. market okay? It's done. Not a case of I can get contracts, but I can physically get it to where it needs well, to be. Well, and that's important in our industry because yeah. it's, it's a difficult product to move. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Okay. Can we talk about the project? Of course you can talk about the project. <laughs> okay. Right. Niger. Obviously, you've, um, you know, Rano have m m made moves, right? You've got you and you've got Global Atomic in, in country, and then you've got the Namibians, a tiny little plane in uh, Malawi. Um, th that's it, right? Yeah. So it's a very, it's rarefied air. Um, for you, 
you are significantly advanced, significantly advanced, but you're going to have to put some new numbers out to market soon. Is yep. that right? So I'm going up to Joburg after this, mm -hmm. um, sit down, start kind of working with the team and trying to understand where we are with the numbers. Yeah. Uh, my team's here. Yeah. So target is still end of the quarter. Okay. Put something out by then. Um, right. You know, this is where I have to put my engi really engineering hat on and yeah. look at everything that we've gone through, all the test work and figure out, you know, what can we do better? Where can we still fine tune things and, and, and get advances? You know, and I'm pretty comfortable at the yeah. moment. I mean, they may prove me wrong next, right. in the next two days, yes, right. but you know, what, it very much. And you see, and, and that's the key because our timing is perfect. Yeah. So if you look at some, a lot of these US utilities, 2025 is when they need material. Well, yeah. you know, I'm kind of estimating at the moment, you know, based on the conversations we're having, that, you know, end of Q1, 2023, we should be able to sort the financing out and the offtake. Mm -hmm. it, it's all down to that price and being able to get the mm. offtakes at the structures that we need them. Mm. Um, two years to build. A lot of the design has been to try and simplify the build structure that we're looking for, get rid of long lead items and accelerate yeah. things. Yeah. I mean, that's one of the crucial factors that's out there at the moment. Yeah. We've still got to go through. Certainly, I was talking to someone from Caterpillar the other day and, you know, getting kit is becoming difficult. Yeah. Yeah. It's not just inflation. It's Okay, inflation yeah. add, okay, where am I going to find that part? Um, and that would put us in early 2025 producing uranium. Well, that's going to be one of the fastest projects out there if we can pull it off mm. um, along that route. And I don't, at the moment, I see no reason why that shouldn't be doable, subject to the final numbers that come out of it and, and getting that contract. But, you know, we've had utilities indicate that, you know, they get it, that numbers up to $60 at the moment is what they would start to think about right. going to. So, you know, that, that would be that would be a really great place to be. Um, our team in Zambia now have got, we put a press release out well, about a week ago. Mm -hmm. um, last year, I mean, the, the issue in Zambia is we've got five deposits. It's a, a hub and spoke heat leaching operation. Yeah, yeah. Um, but the main deposit, did we east about 50% of the mined resource uh, was indicated. So we did test work last year just to mm -hmm. drill it to see if the geologist would sign off the whole spacing. They no, they did. They tweaked it. So we, we technically what we had is a square grid, and they've just made it an offset grid. So okay. geostatistically, it works better. So how much more drilling? Um, we're doing fifteen thousand meters of infill drilling. Okay. it's a big deposit. Yeah, uh, I mean, what do you do for uranium? If, given the types of deposits that you've got, what's the sort of spacing? Or stuff we're like hundred by fifty. Okay, right. It's a big bulky deposit. I right. mean, it's forty-five million tons of rock sitting there. Right. So it's an infill. So, but the the guys as well were diamond core on that one at the same time. Okay, because we probed, so you need to get the disequilibrium sorted out. So we're going. For Is the, all that financed? Uh, yep, that's all there. Money's we're happy. That, yeah, that's okay. in house for that one. So we're we're good. So that will bring out some met samples. Those met samples will just be used to confirm the previous met work. Yeah. So heat leach it, so it's pretty straightforward, and some geotech. So this year it's about field work. Yeah. Next year, a detailed engineering for that one. So we'll go for it. The guys are going to have a look at two of the deposits there to see if they can ISR it, because three of the deposits okay. are actually above the water table. Right. Two of them are actually under the water table. Okay. We've not looked at it before, so we don't know if the answer fits, but we'll have a look at it. I mean, it's, it's nice, nice, nice. Well, compared to when we started talking about it two and a half years ago, you know, it's like, well, what are the options on the table here? We've got these projects which are cash constrained. 
the whole company's cash in the yeah, yeah. Um, and you know do we spin it out just get, get some capital to yeah allow us to focus on these I mean we've always to wanted to keep Zambia because yeah. our, our approach has always been yeah. we're a development company and you need a pipeline you, you, uh, yeah, no, but there was no certainty around where no. all this dollar was coming from. So it's like hand, hand to mouth. Oh, it. absolutely. So in two, in the, that's the difference in two, in two years yeah. for you guys. We, yeah. well, no, we can keep all of that. We can finance all of that. And we can run all of that. So um, we keep going. Yeah, so you keep so going. going. And then Mali, obviously, uh, is, <clears throat> our, is our exploration <clears throat> play, looking at what's underneath it. What's happening in Mali? What is happening in well, Mali? That's a, seriously, that's another completely different conversation. For well, another, like, that's like, a whole new video. <laughs> <laughs> well, we 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 joked we joked about you know coups in Africa. I mean, I'm, I'm aware of at least ninety. You know, so, which is they just it's a sort of transition of government, but a way of transition of government. And I don't mean to make light of it, but no. ge generally it's a fairly pa um, passive thing. You know, it's like you know it just happens. Um, but Mali, perhaps I, th I think there's some there's some some issues around. I think some of the banks have. Um, been told they can't move money in and out of country, and you know, yeah, that, that's the equal, equal sanctions. I think the biggest concern mm. for Mali has got nothing to do with the coup per se. Mm. It is the wider geopolitics of Russia. Really, how's that work? Because I thought it was a case of the the the, the well, army you, not stepping down or well, well now the French control. have pulled out and the Wagner Group have gone in. Okay, so you now have Russia trying to put a stamp into the geopolitics in that region. Right, okay. So that makes it for, an, which is juxtapositioned against the US yeah. strong positioning in Niger and Senegal yeah, yeah, yeah. on either side. That'll be interesting. Yeah. Because it, it'll probably calm things down in country, but yes. it won't do much for trade. No, no. I mean, the Mar anyone working in Mali at the moment is still fine. I mean, the, yeah. the operations carry on. There's no big Absolutely. concerns. Uh, for that, for us, we keep on exploring. Uh, on this one, I think if we find what we think we're looking for, it's probably a spin out on, yeah. on that one, and we'll focus on the uranium projects, and Good. that will become something else, That's some clear. other other way. Unless you reduce our cost of cash burn yep. um, for doing that one anyway, and you know, back to a conversation we've had always. You know, I'm I'm a big fan in of Africa consolidating. You know, you know, we would like to be the consolidator in yeah. Africa if we can, and I yeah. think, I think that's the one thing that Africa actually needs. It needs a uranium player of size yeah. that can compete out there. Uh, yeah. I mean, obviously, it's going to struggle with the grades of the Athabascas and whatever, but it needs that diversity and that sense of scale that comes with it because you're sitting with all everybody else effectively just one asset. Yeah, which when it grinds to a halt, that's the end of it. It's gone, and um, you need some spread out there with a, a, a company with a pipeline of projects to keep African material flowing. Yeah, you kind of forget about places like Gabon. I mean, Iran, I were in Gabon for yeah. decades producing pans, and there's a lot of uranium out there. But um, just for people to put the uninitiated with regards to <coughs> uranium looking in, which is you talk about low-grade uranium versus the high-grade stuff in Athabasca, um, it, and I, they, I try and compare it to low-grade low bulk gold um, projects yeah. versus high-grade. I mean, low-grade doesn't necessarily mean it's more expensive or inefficient to mine. It just means it's a but different mining process. It's a different mining process. I mean, look at our two projects <laughs> in simple terms. I mean, one's got a grade the fifth of the other, but they're all in mining cost is identical. 
Right. You know, one's high capital and low opex, one's low opex and high capex. It's, and, just, it's uh, a earth moving exercise. It's an earth moving exercise. And you know, you, you look at something like Matanga. Shallow. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's right on surface. Yeah. Acid consumptions are less than 10 gauge a ton. Right. You compare that to Cameco's operations, deep level, yeah. massive holes drilling, freezing environment of the rock alone, let about trying to keep the workers warm on the yeah, surface yeah. while you're operating. That's a massive infrastructure that's required yeah. at, at a massive cost. Right. It benefits from the grade, absolutely. Right. But that still effectively balances itself out. Right. Whereas you know, African projects, much more simple, yeah. much more straightforward. Yeah, they're lower grades um, and good jurisdictional risk. But production, well, absolutely, absolutely. And I think that's the, the kind of big, big thrust of what, you know, our, the learning that we've gone on is, is recognizing that perhaps Africa is as good an uh, investment jurisdiction as anywhere else in the world, yep. quite frankly. There are always exceptions, but there are exceptions elsewhere around the world, but predominantly, yes. But the, this whole low-grade versus high-grade argument, I think, when you, when you understand, when you're listening to this, you understand, heard it here, the, the production cost, roughly the same so yep. the margins will be roughly the same exactly it's just a different process that you're going through correct okay um well like, why, don't, why don't we kind of wrap it up there um thanks for coming in i think Pleasure. it's been um i mean good luck with your rest of your conversations this week you're gonna yep. have got a couple of days with them right? yeah i got uh, today and tomorrow <clears throat> and then up to Johannesburg, and then i'm vancouver for the vric Okay, fantastic. Well, may, may see you there. May okay. see you um, back in London. But either way, well done for the last uh, year. Absolutely. It's a good year for you Thank guys. You. It's been, yeah, really good year. Really looking, and I'm really looking forward to the next year.